Hello and welcome back to the Get Football Tactics podcast. We have one game to cover today. Let's not mess about. It's been a fantastic season, but the European competitions are coming down to one match. It's the Champions League final. Inter Milan versus Manchester City. It's being held in Turkey. It's kicking off at 8 o'clock UK time on this Saturday, the 10th of June, and we're going to analyse both teams, their journey to the final, and what their plans will be to counteract each other and try and win this big competition. Let's start with Manchester City. Let's not hold any bars, let's get straight into it. Now, City have been the most dominant team in the competition. I don't think there's any question in that. While they haven't come close to the goal records of... uh, uh, previous years, there's I think the goal record uh, overall in the competition stands for Barcelona at something like 40 goals. City have scored 31, which is crazy. I think it's 13 goals over the last three ties. They got out of a group that featured Borussia Dortmund, Sevilla and Copenhagen. No losses. They've been unbeaten this whole time. And in fairness, it was quite an easy group. But then they got placed with RB Leipzig. Now, that's when we started covering these knockout games and if you can remember rightly after the first leg City were kind of coming out of their shell at the time they were just finding their new 4-2-3-1 shape or 3-4-2-1 I don't know 3-2-4-1 we've done a whole podcast on it we won't dwell too much on City tactics but they were just finding their shape and Leipzig were able to find a lot of uh, spaces in their right hand side they were able to catch them before they went from a 3-4 to at the back and that's how they carried on overloading them. And that first leg ended 1-1. And at the time we were thinking, hmm, are Manchester City able to win, come, come through here? Could there be an upset? And then Manchester City won 7-0 in the second leg and beat Leipzig 8-1 on aggregate. Now that's a trend that continued. They beat Bayern Munich 4-1 on aggregate in the quarterfinals and Real Madrid 5-1 in the semi-finals. In terms of statistics, of course, in the Champions League, whether you're using foot breath, who scored, um, Opta, Scout, whatever, the sample size is small. So we are. this doesn't really mean anything else other than outside of this competition, but City have had the best defence in the, in the Champions League, despite playing the fewest games, the most games, sorry. Most games, fewest goals conceded. Um, I think it's five goals against. They've also got the best... Defence by non-penalty expected goals against. City's objective was, of course, been to win the Champions League. And you couldn't really say the same for Inter at the start of the competition. They started in a group of death with Bayern Munich and Barcelona. Uh, ahead of a the season, they were expected to right the wrongs of the 21-22 campaign and win the title under Simone Inzaghi. Now, let's not forget, when rivals Milan won the champion, the Serie A sorry, in... Um, 2022 it came as a shock Stefano Pioli's side kind of came out of nowhere when everyone thought it was Inters and at the beginning of this year despite the tough group of the Champions League there were high hopes for Inter and they did do well in the Champions League contrary to league where Napoli ran away with it they did start the the groups losing 2-0 to Bayern not great but then they beat Vittoria Pilsen and Barcelona beating Barca 1-0 following up with a 3-3 memorable draw And their 4-0 win against Victoria Pilsen guaranteed them passage to the knockout stages, unless uh, Bayern had uh, lost to Barca, which of course didn't happen. 
they got obviously drawn on the easier side, which has been part of media uh, topics. They beat Porto 1 0 in aggregate, very tight game. They then beat Benfica 5 3 in the Champions League uh, quarterfinals in aggregate. And then, of course, they beat Milan in uh, the Milan derby 3 uh, 0 on aggregate in the semi finals. But it's worth saying Inter have really undergone a transformation in the second half of this season. When they played that first leg at home against Porto, I think they only won 1-0, there was a lot of acrimony around Simone Inzaghi. This was a point where people were saying, his job's on the line. If you don't get Champions League this year, he's gone. There is even rumours he could leave earlier than the season, uh, despite his obviously strong record in knockout competitions, winning Coppa Italia after Coppa Italia with Lazio and Inter. Uh, Inter were in such a bad place, it didn't look like they were going to make top four. And beating Porto 1-0 at home uh, at the San Siro in the first leg was actually seen as a bit of a letdown. So it's really remarkable that now in the Champions League final, they've secured top four. At the time of recording, Serie A's finished, in fact, and they got there fairly comfortably in the end. And statistically, we can kind of see where the goals earned, well, the goals are coming from and more specifically, not coming from. Because while Inter have conceded double what Manchester City have in terms of non-penalty expected goals, they've got the third best defence in uh, the Champions League. And that's almost firmly down to Andre Onana. He has the best record in the Champions League according to Fubref post-shot expected goals. Now that's the measure of uh, shot stopping. It's not a flawless statistic, but... According to it, Anana has saved 7.5 goals more than expected in the Champions League. Considering Inter have only played, what, uh, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 games, they're about to play 13. To save, what, nearly a goal a game more than expected is a frightening form. That's staggering stuff from Anana. And particularly in games against Porto and Benfica, you could really see his great saves on display and we'll touch on him more a bit later on but generally the expectation for Inter at the start of this year was get out of the groups do themselves proud so it's quite crazy they're in the final and on paper you would expect this to be really simple for Manchester City right especially with their dominant tactical plan underway I think even you listening right now you might have a voice in the back of your head that thinks maybe Inter can do it but every other part of your brain is telling you the city have got it in the bag. Well, let's talk tactics. Like I said, we don't need to dwell on Manchester City too much. We dedicated a whole podcast to how Pep Guardiola has evolved this season with the 3-2-4-1 general formation. Of course, it changes in and out of possession and there's a lot of moving parts that we really discussed in detail. Uh, but it's worth talking about their general plan going into this game, which will be the same as it's been throughout uh, the recent Champions League games, particularly against Real Madrid, which has been to limit transitions to really dominate the ball and as well as rely on players like Erling Haaland. Uh, I think the focus has generally been on more limiting the opposition, playing a bit more boring at times. But it worked. You can't knock it. And Haaland, while I think against Madrid, he, I don't even know if he scored, if I remember correctly. I think he was playing a big part in goals, but he, he didn't necessarily score. He has got 12 goals in the Champions League um, this season. Staggering stuff. Kevin De Bruyne has got six assists, the most in the competition. And 
while we're looking at Inter Milan, uh, a back five, which is different to, I think, every team they've played so far in the Champions League, actually. And I think the Pep Guardiola... Well, we'll touch more on how he might react to Inter Milan, but on the base of it, the plan should be relatively the same. Like I said, dominate the ball and try and create good chances by moving the ball uh, either during through free-flowing build-up or by using Haaland and Barona to be a bit more direct. We saw this against Madrid where City could go quite long and uh, to Haaland, knock it down and then create a chance from there. I think something else that needs to be discussed is how City are adapting in-game. I think that's quite the scary thing. For example, in the recent game against Real Madrid, in the first leg, Eduardo Camavinga got a ton of plaudits playing at left-back because he was really aggressive, he was constantly getting out to his man and limiting Manchester City. But people who were playing close attention to the game could see that City was slowly unlocking the space he was leaving. It's quite clear in the first half of the second, the, the, the half time, the first leg, that's a mouthful. Half time in the first leg, Pep and his staff pointed out this because Kevin De Bruyne nearly scored straight away by uh, executing a well, a well worked pattern of play on the right hand side and rushing through the gap. And in the second leg, City exploited Camavinga uh, to the nth degree and just carried on luring him out of position and then occupying the space that he left quicker than Madrid could fill it. And that's the worrying thing you've got from an Inter Milan perspective here, is that not only have you got some of the best players in the world in a system they feel truly comfortable with, in a system that's flexible in terms of it can go long with Edison to Haaland to De Bruyne, or it can just lure you in and build straight through you, but they will recognise your weaknesses during games, and they will exploit it. And that is reflected, of course, in the stats. So it's quite a scary prospect to play them. And I think by the end of the game, you're likely going to see City absolutely come out on top in all the stats. For example, against Madrid, despite winning 4-0, you'd expect via game state, City scoring in the 23rd minute, Madrid to, you know, have a bit of fight and take control, City still dominated the ball with 60%. They outshot Madrid 16-7. to They just totally played them off the park. And I think with Inter, they'll be looking to play into that, and we could see a very one-sided game on paper. But does that mean Inter Milan are going to lose? I'm not sure. I have paid a lot of attention to Inter this season, and this podcast kind of de facto acts as the Inter Milan insight. They are a really hard team to play against in knockout games. This is for a few reasons. I mean, first of all, they've got a lot of talent that goes under the radar. Nicola Barella is one of the best midfielders in Europe at the moment. A very good goal scorer, but an excellent ball carrier and excellent at link-up in tight spaces. With Lukaku, Lautaro and Dzeko, you've got three different types of forward who can... All damage the defence individually. We've seen Dzeko with his excellent one-touch finishing. You've seen Lautaro making his runs in behind. And Lukaku rolling defenders like we expect him to do at Chelsea. They make It's very dangerous going forward. And we saw that Lautaro and Lukaku link up in the Champions League against Milan as well. And then defensively, you've got a very good set of players. Like Acherbi and Bastoni, more on him in a bit. 
DeMarco as well, who's second in the Champions League for the assist tally. He's got uh, five. And as well, Hakan Chanoglu has been moulded into a really valuable player this season, both in and out of play. So with Brozovic getting a lot of injuries this year, Simone Inzaghi moved Hakan Chanoglu deeper down the pitch into a kind of like a quarterback position. He was tasked with picking up the ball in build-up and then playing it forward with risky passes. Not necessarily always going for the safe ones. Looking to hit teams very quickly uh, by taking a couple of lines of their their shape out of the game. And not every pass will come off, but his execution of passes and shots are just so deadly. It also allows him to ping long shots from quite far out because it gives him more space. And on that note, he's very dangerous uh, at, at set pieces. And that's going to come into Manchester City's thinking, absolutely. So what's interesting is City do rank really low for fouls per 90. So I don't think we'll see like a drastic change on that front. But there's absolutely going to be a conversation about limiting the amount of set pieces close to Manchester City's goal. Because Channel Glue's delivery, his ball striking, is up there as some of the best in the world. We've known it for a while, but you can really see it, particularly on corners, the way he'll just strike a ball in with so much power and venom, but into like the middle of the box still. It's a tool you can't really prepare for tactically. You just kind of have to limit the amount of times your position does it. Um, and we said we'd talk, talk about Bastoni. He's top of Inter squad for crosses into the penalty box. He's must be really high as well for progressive carries. He's played a really big role at kind of moving Inter's play down the left-hand side. His role in possession is to pick up the ball, drive into space, in kind of a similar fashion to Declan Rice, and take up quite advantageous positions in the left half, left half space, helping out DeMarco. Bastoni has just been splendid this season. I think he's only 24 years old still. He's gone really under the radar as perhaps Inter Milan's best player. And I think that's something that Manchester City will be looking at. I think City are going to be trying to man-mark him, um, at least. Or have, depending on starts at the right, probably Mares track back uh, with him because... Inter can form quite a nice overload on the left-hand side. That's something else as well we need to mention here as well. That something Inter Milan are really good at is rather than playing out in like a set possessional shape, they'll have Lukaku and Martinez, like if they start at least, they'll play together almost. If Lautaro's on the left-hand side, Lukaku's on the left-hand side. If Lukaku's on the right-hand side, is on the right-hand side. They'll play together, which means... They're always overloading the opposition. They're always in proximity for quick link-up. And it's it's unpredictable. It's not so structured. And it means it's hard to defend against. Some City players at points in the game will be left with, you know, three or four players to mark. While the right-back or the left-back will be left with absolutely nobody. So there's a lot of elements here coming from the Inter Milan side. I do think, though, and I was talking to my friend Neil Shalat before uh, coming onto this podcast to, uh, you know, record and host and write it myself. Um, this is the bit that I have to give all credit to Neil here. Uh, Neil thinks that Inter could do a really good uh, 5-3-2 deep block. Now, this is obviously the formation that Inter play. They are a little more progressive than just a simple back five. They're very good at build-up, but what he thinks Inter should do is 
use their two strikers to sit on City's two pivot players, that will be John Stones and Rodri, and then use their midfielders to man-mark Manchester City's number 10s. And when you put the pieces together in your head, Simone Inzaghi could easily allow Inter to do this, and they're very well organised and disciplined, that even if City have got that world-class abilities in their ranks, Inter do have the manpower and the they have the momentum on their side to just sit deep and cover the spaces. And I think they'll be very happy and comfortable letting City have it in wide spaces and crossing it in because the defenders are all rather tall and they're very comfortable clearing the ball. So, I think a big question here we should ask, it's our final question, is can we expect a change from Manchester City? After all, Pep Guardiola, he's the tinkerer, he's the overthinker. Will he overthink himself again? I do think this is a tired narrative, okay? Pep Guardiola changes game to game anyway. Just little tweaks, and most of the time we don't notice them because City end up winning and we just talk about the amazing moments that they usually win. Um, But there is reason to suspect he could go... What's the technical term here? A bit mental for this game. That's because, if we go back to 2019-20, Manchester City got knocked out of the Champions League by Lyon. They switched to a back three for that game because that's how Lyon operated. And they just got wiped apart. And if I remember correctly, Kevin De Bruyne was particularly annoyed with how they changed setup. We remember as well the 2021 um, Champions League final against Chelsea where he benched, I think it was Gundogan and Rodri. And no one saw that coming. Sorry, I think it was... Fernandinho and Rodrin playing Gundogan uh, deeper. Uh, it was, you know, it drew a lot of questions whether it was the reason Chelsea won the game or not. So, can we see something happening here? I don't think Pep will move to... Well, he kind of already plays a back three, so I don't think he's going to move to a back five. I don't think we're going to see Kyle Walker come in here. Uh, I think it's going to be largely the same plan, but we're going to see... Specific instructions. Number one, I think City will not be given time for Hakan Chanoglu to uh, pick passes. They know how instrumental he is for Inter going from back to front really quickly, straight through the second phrase like a rocket. They'll be uh, using Haaland, I reckon, to sit in front of him, use him as a cover shadow. And on that note, I think they'll recognise that Inter are really good at building out from the back. This is something I didn't mention in the last section. If they're in doubt, they'll pass back to Andre Onana, and he's so comfortable and chilled in possession on the ball, one of the best ball-playing keepers around at the moment, that they can just constantly recycle possession. I think City will respect this and protect the middle third. Not necessarily a mid-block, but more like a, a a low press, if that makes sense. They will not be committing high because if they fail to win the ball... In a high press, Inter can just play straight through them, and then it's Lukaku, um, Lautaro, Barella making a late run for midfield, potentially Dumfries or uh, Darmian on the right hand side pushing forward, and Demarco. You've potentially got a five v three situation which can build really quickly if you get your press wrong. Yes, we are talking about probably the best team in the world at the moment in Manchester City. But you shouldn't be underestimating the opposition. And Pep Guardiola is one of the... I don't want to say overthinkers, but he always gives respect to his opposition. He always thinks, how can they damage us? And 
yes, he tries to limit that more and more every year now, I think it feels like, but that's definitely going to be a voice in his head. And I think that is th- those are the two biggest things we'll see. Or the other, other thing I said is limit set pieces. We're going to see them press Chan Loglu, not commit super high, and try and limit the amount of dead ball situations and transition opportunities. These are Inter Milan's strengths, and if they take them away and just make the game about who's better with the football and in settled possession, then City have it in the bag. I think, for prediction-wise, I'm a little biased. So, with all the facts in front of me, particularly Inter's run through the Champions League this year, you'd be mad not to say City don't win this. So, I will let the objective person in the room, who's not in my room, uh, the objective person in you, predict City to win. Me, though, me, Alex, not get football... I predicted Inter to get to the final in January. I can't back out now. There's just something in my head that tells me this isn't Manchester City's time, despite everything we're seeing. And Inter will love to be the villains here. I can see them picking up a Champions League trophy, especially since the mentality in this squad is underrated. I remember Chalhanoglu back in January and February saying he sees Inter going all the way in the Champions League. This isn't just a if they've stumbled into the final. They have spoken about the possibility here. Simone Inzaghi is an experienced tournament manager and he's a successful one as well. Arguably a little more successful than Pep Guardiola in recent years. That, that might be a bit too far of a statement. But seriously, there's an argument to be had there. Inzaghi's been great in the Coppa Italia and he's been very good in the Champions League this year. So, I just just me personally, I'm going to go over two, no, a 1-0 win to Inter Milan. That could be mental, it could be mental, but, you know, I have to go for it. And I hope you guys can understand that. But, we'll come back next week with a review piece to see how much of what I said was right or wrong. Uh, let's see what happens in the Champions League final. I think it's going to be a good one, guys. Uh, have a good weekend and enjoy the game.